Hello and welcome back to Catching Up on Capitol Hill, a series in which we discuss the latest in tax legislation and in tax policy. I'm your host, John Gimigliano. Well, we are back with a new episode. Now, first of all, I just wanted to say I know that our cadence has slipped a bit in recent months. That's mostly a function of how incredibly busy we are, given all the things that are going on. And yes, I lost my voice for several days. And well, it's still a little rough, as you may hear. But hey, the show must go on. So when we last spoke, the Green Book release was imminent. And no doubt, like us, you spent all of Memorial Day weekend reading it. Yeah, that's a joke. I hope you didn't. Seriously. Not because there isn't important and useful information in there, but because there's nothing really urgent or pressing. The Green Book is, as we said last time, more aspirational than actionable, but it is intended to provide directional information for the tax writers in Congress. And that leads us to our topic today. What direction is Congress actually moving in as it relates to the Biden tax proposals? And this is actually a really complex question, especially if you've been following the many reported efforts around a bipartisan deal on infrastructure in recent weeks, efforts that continue today. And many of those reported negotiations would either substantially scale back the Biden tax proposals or would at least seem to leave them out altogether. But perhaps not all is as it appears. And that's our topic for today. What to make of all these apparent offers involving or not involving the Biden tax plans? To discuss that with me today, we've got Carol Coolish and Tom Stout. So, Tom, let me start with you. All these discussions about a bipartisan deal, these revolve around the American Jobs Plan and the Made in America Tax Plan, sort of the traditional infrastructure piece. Is that right? In other words, the American Families Plan is not part of these discussions, or do I have that wrong? I think that's right. What they're talking about is a limited sort of traditional hard infrastructure agreement, and that would be just in the jobs plan, none of the soft infrastructure spending that Biden's proposed in the families plan. So in case everybody's not up to speed on all the different plans, tell us what the American jobs plan is versus the American families plan sort of very generally. The total of the two plans is about four and a half trillion dollars over 10 years. There's about $2.7 trillion worth of spending on both traditional hard infrastructure like bridges, roads, ports, water, plus some other stuff in the jobs plan. And then the families plan is social spending is about $1.8 trillion. Things like the refundable child credit that they want to extend for five years and other programs like that. So coming back to taxes then, what is in scope potentially or being potentially you know negotiated out of scope in these conversations are the corporate tax increases, which is the Made in America tax plan, which is designed to pay for the American Jobs Plan. We don't think these negotiations involve anything on the individual side, which is part of the American Families Plan. Is that it? So far, that's where it is. In terms of this bipartisan negotiation, they're not talking about any taxes. It's not been clear whether Biden's definitely tying corporate tax changes to hard infrastructure and individual tax changes to families, although that's the way they were presented. But it's not clear if there's a direct one-to-one tie necessarily in that. Okay, got it. All right, then, Carol, let me come back to you. We've just said multiple times bipartisan attempts at a deal, negotiations going on. Can you just tell us who are the players in these bipartisan groups that are trying to work out a deal? 
and I think we're in the second round, at least, of these bipartisan talks. The first round, the lead negotiator on the Republican side was Senator Capito, and I believe she was negotiating on behalf of Senate Republicans generally to see whether they could reach a consensus with the White House as to, as Tom was saying, is there a core element of transportation-type related infrastructure on which they could reach a deal that wouldn't cross any of their red lines, which included the Senate Republican side not having the types of tax increases proposed in the Made in America tax plan, the rate increases, things of that nature. Those came to an end. They realized they couldn't reach a consensus there. And then there's ensued a separate round of negotiations with what they're calling the group of 10. There are discussions going on between the group of 10s, five Senate Democrats, five Senate Republicans, and the White House to see whether they can reach some sort of consensus as to something that they could agree on. Again, focused on planes, trains, automobiles type infrastructure generally, and pay-fors that would be palatable to that group. And those tend to be more the moderate Senate Republicans that are involved and moderate Senate Democrats like Manchin's involved, Romney on the Republican side, but you have like Manchin and Cinema involved, Senate Democrats, Romney, Portman, others, but five Republicans, five Democrats, kind of moderate. Interesting. So that first round of negotiations you outlined is between a Senate Republican, sort of the proxy for Mitch McConnell, the minority leader in the Senate, with the White House directly. Those, as you said, came to an end. They worked on a couple different iterations of that, could not see eye to eye. Then picking it up out of that are Senate Republicans and Democrats working separately. You know, it's an interesting question of any deal that they might work out. Do they have more or less the proxy of other Senate Democrats, House Democrats or other Senate Republicans or House Republicans or even the White House? These are interesting questions we don't yet know. So even if they do hammer out a deal between these 10 doesn't mean right that we should necessarily take that to the bank. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that is very fair to say, because I think that there are a lot of other Democrats and Republicans watching on the sideline to see whether this group of 10 does come to some sort of consensus, and if so, whether it's one that other, looking just at Democrats, for example, that others can buy into or not. I think some of the more progressive Democrats are very concerned that what they agree to won't be bold enough and broad enough given their priorities. But yeah, everybody will be looking at it to see whether they can be comfortable, assuming that the group of 10 reaches a consensus in their own right as to whether it can spread more broadly than that or whether it's, it, you know, they move on to a purely partisan process. All right, then let's just go back to take these two groups apart for the moment. These negotiations that are ongoing, okay, that's wonderful. It's a feel-good moment that we've still got efforts at bipartisanship, I guess. But what are people trying to get out of this bipartisan deal? Let me start with you, Tom. What do you think President Biden was trying to or is still trying to get out of pursuing and encouraging bipartisan negotiations? Well, at the end of the day, he's still dealing with very thin majorities in the House and Senate. So especially in the Senate, he needs to have every Democrat vote for a bill if he's going to do it on a partisan basis. And one of the things that Manchin, who's clearly one of the keys in all of this, has demanded all along is regular procedure and attempts at bipartisanship and so forth. And so, you know, at the very least, Biden has to make at least a show of trying to to reach some sort of agreement with Republicans to get enough Republican support, ideally to pass a bill without going through budget reconciliation, getting 10 on board so they can get the 60 required that doesn't you know, implicate the filibuster, which Manchin's also vocal about. So he needs to at least make the effort. But you know, one of his complications here is that making the effort here on the kind of bill at the size that they're talking about 
would require them to try to then do a second bill. And that greatly complicates things for those who have priorities that are left out of this first bill. So it sounds like then that the president needs to at least try to make a bipartisan agreement. And then having shown that he's tried, if it fails, then that will be sufficient for the more moderate Democrats to say, is that what you're saying, Tom? Look, we tried. We did our very best. But, you know, infrastructure spending is too important to America. And now we're going to have to go it alone. Is that the idea then? Yeah, I would say it's required. Whether it's sufficient or not, I think remains to be seen. Good point. Okay, so that's maybe what's in it for President Biden, maybe Democrats more broadly. Carol, let's flip it around the other way. What is in it for Republicans in the minority in both the House and in the Senate to be working on negotiating a bipartisan deal on this with working with Democrats? What might be in it for them? You know, I do think there are some Republicans who would like to be able to make some progress on some of the infrastructure issues that have been affecting roads, bridges, ports around the country, you know, and in their districts and in their states, that they recognize that this is something that's important. It's important both nationally as well as parochially, that there are projects in their areas that I think they believe are important to address. Infrastructure has been an issue that's been out there for a while. Big question is, can you find a way to reach agreement on it? Always the question is pay-fors. You know, do you increase the deficit? Can you find a politically palatable way to pay for it? And that's usually where, not to do an infrastructure pun, but where the rubber hits the road. So I do think there are some Republicans who are genuinely interested in seeing whether there is some aspect of infrastructure they can address. I think there's also some political considerations that come into play that the longer the negotiations go on, that sort of more time off the clock, which puts more pressure on the Democrats, there may well be a sense that if they could get some of the core components of infrastructure done, that it might make it more difficult for the Democrats to advance in a second bill, some of their other policy agendas, both because of the time plus some political considerations as well. So I think there's a lot that can factor into it and different Republicans may view things different ways. So I think there's a variety of different perspectives. So it sounds like there's something in here for potentially in a bipartisan deal that both Democrats and Republicans alike. And the big picture is, as you were sort of alluding to there, Carol, infrastructure spending is pretty popular. You know, people like it. You know, the idea that it creates jobs, you know, everybody likes to have their roads nicer, right? Uh, maybe cut down their commutes, whatever it is. And so I think there has generally been viewed for a long time is that on a bipartisan basis, people like the idea of infrastructure spending. But as you also said, Carol, the hardest part has always been, and this is where Republicans and Democrats sort of go their separate ways, is to how to pay for it or whether to pay for it or to what extent to pay for it. And that's where it gets so hard. So let me come back to it with our last question. I guess I'll start with you, Tom. Okay, we've got these bipartisan agreements. You know, we just sort of assumed at the beginning of the year that tax bill was going to go this year and it was going to be done by Democrats only using something like budget reconciliation was going to be the way they'd have to move it because they wouldn't have the votes. But now we're deep into bipartisan discussions. So is there a bipartisan deal to be had here on infrastructure or not? That's the real question. So what are your thoughts, Tom? I think little chance. The reason for that being that the Biden administration and and general democratic view of quote unquote infrastructure is a lot broader than bridges and roads and water. You know, it includes broadband and supply chains and research and education and training and child care, income support, housing support. It includes a lot of other things. And the risk that the more progressive side of congressional Democrats, the downside they're going to see in doing a small 
bill around which the, you know there's general consensus we have to do something about bridges and roads that doing something like that first undermines the chances of broader legislation being enacted at the end of the day it becomes more difficult to do that and they'll worry about that falling through the cracks so the idea of trying to come up with a bipartisan deal like this carries a lot of downside for that group. I think they're going to resist the idea of doing that, particularly when it appears that the pay for in the smaller bill that's been discussed is, you know, largely, you know, what you might call Washington accounting. It's clawing back money from the, the March bill that hasn't been actually spent yet, although it's been allocated and setting up an infrastructure funding facility, which would really be mostly trying to attract private money, uh, you know, imposing fees on electric vehicles, which some who think that electric vehicles are a good idea for climate change aren't going to see as necessarily move in the right direction. So a lot of it is funny money that really doesn't amount to much. So my view is that we're probably, while we're going through the show of bipartisan negotiation, you know, we really haven't changed much from where we thought this was headed at the beginning of the year which is a democratic reconciliation bill. I agree with you on all of that, Tom, with maybe one minor exception, which is there is a lot of Washington funny money floating around in some of these proposals, but Washington is usually pretty comfortable with their Washington funny money, so they might ultimately embrace that, but it doesn't solve all the other problems you talked about, and they'll probably still want more than just the funny accounting they've got for some of these things. So I largely agree with you, and I think we're still pretty much where we were, which is we're looking at a reconciliation bill at the end of the year. All right, Carol, what about you? Do you agree with Tom or any other nuance you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Tom. I mean, a few additional things around the edges. I do think that both some Democrats as well as the White House might not view whatever the consensus agreement is to be bold enough in terms of addressing the different priorities. I agree with Tom that it could make it more difficult agreeing on this bill. It may be perceived as more difficult to move a second bill that addresses those priorities. I also think some of the revenue raisers, at least on the table right now, one of the proposals could have an impact on people making under $400,000. That has to do with changing the treatment of either gas tax or potentially even electric vehicles. And that could be a red line for the administration. I also think that there's just so many complicated politics that run all over the map. And as I said, I think there's some Republicans who would like to reach a deal on some core component. There may be others who don't want to give a win to the Democrats on an infrastructure bill just because of, you know, political type considerations. I think on both sides, there's complicated political dynamics. That, but like you all, I think at the end of the day, I think these negotiations ultimately will peter out. As Tom said at the outset, they are very important to show that they've exhausted all efforts and made the best effort possible to reach a bipartisan agreement. Maybe they do reach one, but I'll be surprised. The trouble with making predictions like this is we're likely to know this week. So you'll know quickly whether we're right or wrong about this. Maybe, although, you know, often this interest in doing bipartisanship, I mean, it sort of comes and goes, right? You know, so we may be done with it this week and then two weeks from now they'll be back on it. So it's going to be one of these interesting threads in the story to be watching all year. But I agree with all of you that it's really, really hard to do a bipartisan deal. So thank you very much for your insights. And again, something for us to watch and I suspect we'll be talking about, but I thought it was important to talk to you about it today because it's getting so much press and we get so many questions about it, you know, like, oh my gosh, they did a bipartisan deal. Does that mean Biden's tax plan is off the table? No, okay. If you walk away from this episode with anything, 
The answer is no. The Biden tax plan is not off the table. It's clearly still in play, but we've just got to see how this bipartisan effort still plays out. So thank you, Tom and Carol, for your thoughts. Just one last parting word before we go. Tom and Carol gave really good reasons why bipartisan deal is going to be really hard. I think they mostly gave it from the Democratic point of view, and that makes sense. Hey, look, Democrats are in control of the Senate and the House, so definitely worth watching them. But let me just flip it around and just give it the Republican point of view and why there's some reluctance there as well. As Carol said, there may be some reluctance to give the president a win. But here's a very practical concern that Republicans have, which is if they agree to a bipartisan deal on infrastructure, and that bill gets 60 votes because 10 plus Republicans vote for it, they would say that the Democrats then would have victory on infrastructure, but then they would still have available to them their fiscal year 2022 budget reconciliation bill to come back and pass any tax increase that they want to do or anything that they want to do. And Republicans would then feel like they'd made enabled the possibility of those substantial tax increases that they otherwise oppose. So from a Republican point of view, the only way I think they can agree to a bipartisan deal on infrastructure is if this is the bill, like this is it, we are done for the rest of 2021. And that means probably they can only give nine votes so that Democrats would still have to do budget reconciliation and burn up their budget reconciliation on this bipartisan bill, which then turns back to Democrats who would likely say, why would I do that? So you could see there's so many complexities in trying to get a bipartisan agreement that are going to make this really, really complicated. Not impossible. Nothing is ever truly impossible, but are going to be really, really hard. So keep your eyes on the process, but also don't lose sight of the Biden tax plan. All the more reason to go back. Take a minute to read the Biden Green Book at your leisure. With that, thanks again for tuning into Catching Up on Capitol Hill. Please don't forget to submit your questions, your comments, and suggestions to our inbox. Take care, and I hope to see you soon.